0: Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, Neon, Helium, Xenon, Krypton. Transform and roll out.
1: Hey, Mondo listeners. It's Max here. I'm with Todd Monticevich uh, with Mori's Neon. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Max. Uh, We were just chatting up uh, before. I mean, there's a great detail that goes on not only to what brings people to Neon, but like just jumping right in, we, I was fascinated by your transition. Um, where, you know, what what took you down that path of like checking out Neon and getting to the point where you were like, let me just set up shop or join forces with another Neon group. Was it, was it kind of a love at first sight Were you just kind of um, bouncing around ideas?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts and, and I love it. So, you know, thanks for doing it um and i've listened to people's origin stories and uh and it's super fascinating how people come to it and so for me my wife was working for this woman's issues author uh, up in boulder colorado i'm here in denver and she came back from this women's retreat and she said i was at this woman's retreat and this woman said that her son is going to neon school and i said i'm going to neon school too And I've never thought about neon. I had no relationship with neon. It just was like, bing, like an epiphany, you know, the sword of the moccas just bam. And so then I moved from Denver to Minneapolis to go to the American School of Neon in Minneapolis. It's wild. And like, even with the history, I mean, what year was that now? That was 1987.
1: So like at that time, I mean, people talk about various, you know, moments and I do want to kind of just generally speaking, I mean, who knows where neon is going to go, but it's cool to go back in time where, what were the, what were the tastemakers? Like, was there, was there commentary on neon? Was there things happening? We talk about saving it now, which is kind of, you know, we're not doing that as much anymore because it's all kind of quickly happening all at once. But, you know, this is pre-internet, like what, what were that, what was your idea of neon and how did that come to, you know, was it, was it as exciting in the eighties as people make it to be?
0: It was pretty exciting. So that's a great question, you know. And so if you look at all these documentaries and stuff, you'll see some of those early ones, Lelakich and, you know, the Let There Be Neon people out there in New York. Um, But I was in Minneapolis. And so kind of the tastemaker, if you will, was Cork Marcheski out there. And uh, so I worked at St. Elmo's. That was my first job, which is there in Minneapolis. And we did a lot of work for Cork. One of the things we did was that big giant, uh, art installation at the iowa state historical uh, museum um and cork you know he's he's a nut and so it was called uh prairie aurora and he could go on about it but uh kind of a funny story about that though at one point uh, my daughter and i just recently like maybe three four years ago were out in la and we went to the museum of neon art and there was this whole discussion as we were going in, you know, what's going to be their interaction with me? You know, how many 2 benders come through? How many people say I make neon? Are they just going to be like, whatever? And so we went in and I was like, oh, I'm a tube bender, blah, blah, blah. And they were pretty nonplussed about it. And so as we worked our way around the museum, there was a cork Marcheski piece. And I said, hey, I made that. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell was like, whatever. But eventually the director of the museum came down and said, hey, somebody told me that you made a piece in here. And I said, "Yeah, I made that piece right there for Cork Marcheski," and uh, she was like, "You are the first person to come in this museum that actually bent the glass that's in here."
1: That's cool. That's fascinating. Yeah, so I mean-
0: as a as a father, it's pretty impressive to go to a museum and say, "Hey, I made that." <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, we have it's crazy. We've been, had them on the show, and you know, the magical thing about all that is like, people are trying to figure out like, how do we light this? Do we light it back up? Do we not light it back up? Like, what do we right. do? Like, how do we present it? And so, it's crazy, like. You know now we're seeing things you know or even people like yourself are like able to attach like a date and a time to it i mean we're even seeing things online um that get posted on you know let's say instagram i think that's where people are mostly active at i mean facebook's fairly large as well for neon but when i go and like check out pictures and stories and things that get posted i mean you guys have an amazing account we'll put a link to it but Maury's neon signs is i mean there's stuff on there like old boxes of egl glass and like, mm-hmm. you know, um, just old, old bending, you know, tools, um, you know, or like a whole dump truck of corks, you know, like, just looking <laughs> at these old signs. It's, it's really cool. Like, and even the clock stuff, or like the bends, like, uh, you know, they may yes. show off like a particular electrode. I mean, I just, I, I never, it never ceases to amaze me, the, the, just the definition of neon. I mean, the last one that really shook me was I think you had that Selectronics post about sort of that like cookie cutter letter alphabetized neon that came out in like 60 letters, but nobody, you know, finding where that went and you even had some of it was, you know, parts of it were broken off, but you can even see that like the sales and the warranty sheet from the 60s is just like, where do you, where where does it stop? Like, it just keeps going, right? It's
0: like, yeah yeah so thanks for bringing that up because you know the instagram thing is fairly new but one of the great things like you know more three generations and more you know he started bending on the gi bill so he came back from the war and then he started bending you know um like all those guys that learned on the gi bill and uh at one point he became the president of the local union here in denver and so the electrical workers you know the uh, the brotherhood of electrical workers in denver had kind of a you know, local that was all the tube benders here in town. And Maury was the president of that local. And so he's got these notebooks that are just full of stuff. Um, it's just like who worked at what shop? Cause then he worked at EBCON for a while, you know, so who worked at what shop and what city and who was the classroom foreman and who was the pumper. Plus he's got like all these mimeograph sheets and um, about updates on different things, updates on, uh, bombarding procedures updates on glass all this kind of stuff That's and recently wild. yeah it's super cool and so i i haven't even scratched the surface in terms of you know posting stuff i i've, I've uh, digitized a lot of it sent it to robert house out there because he's a great source <laughs> for digitizing stuff and sharing it um but you know recently we redid this sign from pueblo it was uh, speedway gas You know, and it was really cool because the people that had it were the second people to actually own it. The first person was the one that had the gas station, pulled it down, and then they were the second one. And so they just loved it. They had these great photos. They had this great history of it. And so I was like, so we're going to put it back as close to original as possible. And I had this mimeograph sheet from Sylvania that was explaining when they got rid of the beryllium in glass. And you could see the mark on the glass and the different marks between the triangle that went around the S that was full triangle and the triangle that was only two-sided. That would tell you when the beryllium went out and that was 1949. And so we still have a case of the beryllium daylight white. And so I told these people, I said, we're gonna make it out of the pre-1949 glass for you because this is a beautiful sign. And we'll actually make sure that we put the stamp facing forward. So when you look at the sign, you can see that stamp. And then I'll give you the documentation that this is pre-49 glass. That's cool. I mean, yeah, so it's super cool the stuff we have. <laughs> yeah. And shout out to
1: Robert. I mean, listen, he he knows exactly what you got. I'm sure every time you he post it, he's like, where is this magical trove of documentation coming from? Because he's the king of like, here's this transformer from the 40s that had like a weird wiring. I think he had like a sort of like a glass torch harness yeah. setup. did you see that yes. recently there's it's like stuff that you couldn't even think of that you didn't even know existed it's it's pretty it's from like a geeky perspective it's pretty magical but i think from a documentation standpoint everyone just assumes neon is sort of just glass and then you pump it and but there was all this stuff that went with it especially when it comes to the fabrication part of it you know if you're thinking about the commercial side of the business. And a lot of that stuff is like, like exactly what you said is like sitting in some shop or some warehouse, like hopefully it's being used, but you really do have like a connection with all of it. Obviously you were just able to connect these signs to like the original glass. I mean, that, that takes some real education, at least, you know, to be able to do all that. Um, does it make sense to go? I mean, especially well, we, we touched on the, the, the shop itself, you guys are in Colorado. So there's, um, pretty rich history i didn't realize this but you know even from the 50s and 60s you know even going up into you know the 30s or going down i should say the end of the city there was like this corridor right It was known as the gateway to the rockies and there were motels and restaurants that lined these streets and it was very much a traveler's destination Mm -hmm. so neon signs were pretty much front and center is that still sort of like you know can that come back some of that or has it stayed I guess uh, the sense of like that that strip. Do people kind of look at neon the same way? Do you feel like they maybe used to back then?
0: Yeah. So like if you go on Instagram and look at the sign hunters who are you know out there hunting down signs, yeah. So what you're talking about is Colfax Avenue here in Denver. It's US uh, US 40, and it was the longest business strip in America for quite a while. Um, And so when people think, oh, Route 66, well, yeah, Route 66 has its like kind of patches of like excitement, but it also has long stretches of not so much excitement. (laughs) Um, But here in Denver, that big, long stretch. And so that's part of what Corky's up to, you know, save the signs. There's also the Colfax uh, Museum, and they're trying to save the signs that are on Colfax as well. And so it is this thing where there's a little bit of both happening. Like some of the sides are coming down and getting warehoused or some of the sides come down and they go to a collection, but there's a few sides that are getting saved up where they're at. Um, and we've done some of that work on those. And so that corridor still exists and people are really starting to come around to, you know, recognizing. Um, at, uh, Candace uh, Taylor in her book, The Overground Railroad, she talks mm-hmm. about how these signs have an agency of place and people are coming around to recognizing the agency of place that those signs hold. Yeah. And even the seventies, they had kind of in this, we talked about this a little bit
1: on, even with the neon museum, I remember that in Vegas, we touched on kind of what these city permits did, you know, sort of the dubbing of things being, you know, hazardous or, or, you know, and the reason for that was, they didn't necessarily keep the signs up, so it kind of gave it this aura of, you know, of seediness that, you know, was perpetuated in the, you know, in the in the media or in the films of that time. And so what you see is kind of the rise of plastic things like that, you know. But I think, um, you know, things are coming back. You know, even in places like Vancouver, where you know a lot of those sign ordinances are now have been lifted, and you know you're seeing things like with businesses, especially smaller. Are allowing themselves to open up to new kind of uh, avenues of, of, you know, just experimenting with glass and, you know, designing things that are fresh, you know, I think that it's keeping the landscape pretty, uh, pretty new. I think at least it looks like online. Um, Anything you guys are working on now that you're excited
0: about with neon or that's coming up? Yeah. So, you know, when I first came back to the shop, we were doing maybe one restoration every three months or so. And uh, now we're doing two a month probably. And so we're we're actually working on the will kill sign that you've probably seen it, the giant rat that says will kill. And there was two signs. There was a cockroach on one part of it and a rat on the other. Yeah. And so we're we're working on that one right now. We're working on the rat. And it's super cool. Like the housings inside are really cool from the early 30s with these, you know, kind of long uh, square copper rods that have a circle at the end with a spring. Um, if you saw Robert, I asked Robert about it and then he posted a picture of one. Um, it's it's something to see. So we're working on that right now. Um, and then one of the ones that I'm really excited about that we're working at on is back in the late 90s, there was a shipping company here in Denver that went out of business. And now it's this super upscale neighborhood. They call it Rhino. So um, but it wasn't called Rhino back then. And so we went out and saved the sign. It's 53 feet long, nine feet high. And it says red ball motor freight and it has arrows that chase in and then light up this red big red ball. And it's all porcelain, which is pretty rare for Denver um, to have a big porcelain sign. And so pulled it down and it was supposed to go into a transportation museum. And that's another whole story why I didn't get there. But I've had these faces up in the mountains in this cabin that belonged to my great grandparents. It's been down in the basement of this cabin for, you know, 25 years and recently pulled it out brought it in this guy came in and was like what what size do you have and I said well if you got a big garage we got this one he said I've got a big garage and so we're going to start on restoring the red ball motor freight sign uh, probably next month so that's super cool and you know it's, it's
1: funny you guys are local to um to Acme, Acme Neon Signs, who we're friends with and just really cool group of, of benders as well. Do you guys get a chance to connect at all? Yeah. I mean, obviously you're seeing these competitors, but do you guys, um, you know, get along with those, with the other shops in the area?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So we rarely see any of the other ones. Um, some of the old time two benders who are kind of, you know, no longer doing it. There's a few of the, um, few of the two benders that aren't bending anymore. They come in and, you know, we do the glass work for them and we see them, but, you know, acne, um, have not i have not met him actually um and we just don't interact which is kind of an odd thing because there's <laughs> like really like i'm i think there's probably seven guys in town and so they are all men which is another whole nother story right of, of neon's history but uh there's seven guys in town that are two benders and you know we just don't see each other <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's funny because like
1: there's so much happening all at the same time it's it is kind of one of those businesses where you are just kind of running around and doing a little bit of everything. Right. But, yeah. I, I, you know, it sounds like even with the shops that have been left over, it sounds like plenty of businesses going on, you know, I know you guys worked on the pig and whistle sign and mm-hmm. which is like the Denver diner out there. Um, yeah. And then just, you know, even I was featured in the Clint Eastwood film, which I didn't know but It was um, one of the scenes out there. Yeah, The crazy horse. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I, uh, and one of its signs, I guess, survived as well, I learned. So, Yep, it's pretty there's a lot of rich history, especially when it comes to Denver Neon that I just wasn't aware of until really, like I said, until I really discovered um, your guys' shop online. It, what, you know, people can definitely check out more of your work on the Instagram and uh, just a fascinating bunch of uh of projects, and, and especially coming out of, of of even recently newer finds do people contact you from like what if they have a sign that's local or do you do you guys take signs in is it mostly local efforts like what do you guys exactly on the restoration front because i want to show you love on that front so you guys yeah come yeah. that side of the business
0: yeah thank you for doing that yeah so our instagram is at maurie's neon signs um and so people can check that out and Um, I haven't started doing it, but an old sign guy, um, Shorty Hanger, his son, Mark Hanger, came in and he had all of these renderings. And so I think there's one on our Instagram right now that if you scroll through the pictures, you'll see it. But these beautiful renderings from the 50s and 60s, airbrushed and hand lettered just for a little and just gorgeous stuff. Um, And so I'll start posting them at some point. But I have a trove of those that he brought in. But in terms of, you know, in terms of what we're doing. Uh, we started you know, we've started getting calls from all over the region now uh, in terms of people wanting their signs restored because um, there's just nobody that's kind of doing it in the Rocky Mountain region. So, you know, hotel uh, motels and stuff like that. They're like, can you come out and look at our motel and restore it? And then people are bringing signs into us. Um, like I said, the Speedway that came out of Pueblo, Colorado. We just did. redid a theater in Flagler, Colorado, which is almost to Kansas. Um And it's this really cool little sign that was made in the 30s, neonized in the 50s. And somebody dropped it behind the building, just completely just destroyed it. And we rebuilt it. And I think, I don't know if I posted it on the Instagram yet or not as a story. But, you know, so they brought it all the way in from Flagler for us to redo. And same thing, we redid it. And I was like, this sign is from 1950. We're going to put this old, you know, 1950s Voltark Arc. Novial green on it because we've just been saving this glass for beautiful signs, and this is a beautiful one. So, um, so they're starting to come from out of state now, like we're getting stuff from out of state. And, like I said, you know, we do probably two restorations a month at this point, depending on how big they are. But, um, we're doing a lot of restoration work, that's super awesome, and and such. You know, it's so commendable.
1: I mean, I want to say thank you, Todd, for, for coming on the show. Anybody who's listening, who's like a history nut or or wants to learn more, please check out, uh, neon. I mean, really a seven years of, of just being in business and to a larger degree, because people like yourself, you know, the reputation for knowledge and, and just wanting to go out there and, um, you know, dive deep into that realm. I mean, unparalleled neon history, I think at this point, really with what you guys have. So, um, just a special place and, and a really uh, special guest to have on the show. So thanks for doing this.
0: Yeah. And so I would say, you know, because sometimes people are shy about calling or whatever. Um, and all the old timers I worked with back in the days, none of them ever talked, you know, and it's years of years in the fire and they just became silent, you know. And so I like to say that uh, my job is a yapper. I do all the yapping. And so I make up for all the two benders that don't talk and I do it. So (laughs) I would welcome anybody to call. I'm happy to talk to anybody. Now
1: you're a super guest. And um, I definitely think everyone should pick that up. If anybody's interested, reach out to Todd who needs an answer to a question. You can tell that he knows what he's talking about. So um,
0: thanks again and uh, appreciate it. All right. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me on and I appreciate all you're doing. This, this podcast is awesome.
1: Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up and as always, thanks for listening.